Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy, Kevin Luco. And this week, Kevin and I are honored to welcome back a favorite guest of the show, Sioux City Explorers manager, Steve Montgomery. Steve, thanks for coming back with us again this week. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. So the big news, a couple of things going out with your club. So let's first of all talk about you're going to be staying in Sioux City for a while. So I bet good news for the club out there. Yeah, yeah, we were able to uh, – um, well, first, you know, we went through the RFP process and everything that that entails. And, you know, once we got through that and we could, uh, it, it got unanimously voted in, um, you know, the next week we sat down and, uh, you know, our owner, John Roost, and uh, just made me, made me an offer. And, you know, the biggest thing was is that, you know, my right-hand guy, Bobby, um, I wanted to make sure he was locked in for the same amount of years as I was. So we were able to come up with, uh, uh, you know, with, with, a, with a contract that, you know, secures me in a long, long time in Sioux City. I think it's, you know, our lease agreement is nine years with a mutual vested interest of three years. And that's how we did our contract. It's a, it's a nine-year deal uh, with a vested offer, vested mutual three-year option. So um, it's exciting. Um, you know, it secures our, our future here, uh, secures my future. You know, I'll be 50, 58 when this, uh, when this deals up. So, um, you know, it, I just thought it made sense. Uh, you know, the, the guy, uh, my owner gave me my, my first shot at being a manager and, uh, you know, Bobby makes home here now. I make home here now. So I just thought it made sense for us to uh, uh, secure it in for another nine. So just for fans out there who may not know this, did, did you actually sign this contract? I guess is the big question. Yes, yes. We actually we signed it. It's all sealed and delivered. Uh, some attorneys looked it over. I mean, it's. Um, I felt like, I felt like a big wig, you know, um, <laughs> attorneys are looking over everything. And I'll tell you what I learned this off season is how much attorneys have to look over stuff like that. Like the language, the litigation, whatever it is, they, they look over. I mean, the RFP was just, it was unbelievable. The, the language that was in it and stuff and, um, and then as soon as we got that secured, being able to, uh, secure that contract. So yeah, both me and, uh, uh, Bobby signed both nine year deals. And I'm just going to guess, I'm just going to ballpark this. Um, a couple million a year we looking at. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I think, uh, 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 Bobby Wood is Bobby Wood Jr. Down in Kansas. I think he signed a nine year deal worth 200 and, what was it, 253 million? So roughly same terms. You know, I just basically copied his contract. Oh, man, very simple. <laughs> now, that interesting news you just gave there is you were saying Sioux City's your home. Does that mean you moved from Florida? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, uh, um, you know, going through some rough family times right now. So, um, yeah, so I spent this off season. And I've officially moved to uh, Sioux City. I've been helping out uh, in the front office and, you know, going on some sales calls, going out, talking to schools, uh, stuff like that, just wanting to 
make myself more of a presence in the community and giving back to uh, to kids and giving back to the community that supports uh, that supports me. So you and I are both Iowans. How about that? Are you in Iowa now? Yeah, Cedar Rapids. Yeah. So. Oh. How about hey, that? Caitlin Clark. I mean, she's the darling of the state right now. <laughs> yes, so, absolutely. I, I kind of got, I, my nine-year deal kind of got overshadowed by simply breaking the women's scoring record. <laughs> well, in, in, in some eyes, uh, you know, those of us in the know know what the real news was. <laughs> right. Right. Well, uh, I... I mean, all of our media uh, picked it up, but our league didn't pick it up either, so I can't really fault the media on that sense. Yeah, I'm curious, Steve. Bobby, I know, has been, you know, you and him are like peanut butter and jelly, making sure you always get the best combination out there. What what, what goes into choosing, because they also had your hitting coach officially signed to a contract, and what, what goes into looking for the right hitting coach for you? Well, I think it's somebody um, in our position, uh, especially in independent ball, right? Someone who's eager to continue to learn. Um, you know you're not going to get a big major league hitting coach, let's be honest. Um, you know, someone who's willing to learn, someone who will go in the off season and continue to learn and stuff and um, hungry for advancement. That's what I That's what I look for in a hitting coach. And uh, – Sorry, I've been very fortunate to uh, be able to have some some really good hitting coaches, and you know, I uh, I think Josh will turn out to be a really good hitting coach. You know, last year was his first year. Um, he came from the United Shores League, so um, obviously it's a huge step up in in not only commitment but the time you're spending at the ballpark, the level of player uh, you're coaching, and stuff like that, and it can be intimidating and and stuff and and it's not cookie cutter there's there's 20 ways to skin a skin a cat so um i thought by the end of the year he was learning our personnel learning how to make them feel confident going into the game making the necessary adjustments and stuff and like you know i i just told him early on just don't cookie cutter it you know you may have to say hey i need your hands from a higher set and he doesn't buy into it but you can say it another way that gets his hands to be higher. And, uh, you know, I, I thought he learned a lot. And, uh, you know, as assistant coaches in this league, you know, I mean, I was an assistant for 10 years. It's not like you're making great money, you know. You're putting your time in for advancement. And that's the biggest thing I see with coaches in this league. They're wanting to advance. And, uh you know, he's a young guy, and he's hungry, and he just fit the bill. Now, when you go ahead and sign this deal, um, you know, I know that you've been available. A lot a lot of other organizations have wanted you to come and manage there. I, I know you have a great deal of respect for John giving you that first opportunity as well. Was there any reservation about that, or you just thought, this, I'm a Sioux City guy, and this is where I'm staying? Um, when it came down to it, it, I, I just felt that I planted some, you know, my roots here, um, 
I, I, I love my owner. I love working for him. New GM's very good, Tom Backmeyer. Our front office is doing a, a hell of a job uh, this offseason getting sponsorships. Season tickets are up. Um, so they've been working their butts off. And I just thought, you know, why not here? Bobby, Bobby lives here full time. Um, 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 he lives here full time. So I just thought, you know, his, his oldest or his youngest is graduating high school this year. So, you know, I knew he was going to be available if, if we did, you know, move on from here. But when, at the end of the day, why not just stay here? We're comfortable here. Um, you know, we've done, you know, all the agents know we're here. They know how we treat players here and stuff like that. So I just thought it was, it was time to do another long-term commitment and, and, and plant our roots here and, and, and stay committed to this city for another nine years. I, I mean, that's what it boiled down to. Being in Sioux City full-time, have you been a regular at the Musketeer Games then? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love hockey. I love I love going to the games. Um, I've become a huge hockey fan. I think it's the best sport to watch live, to be honest. Um, you know, that obviously I like baseball, but, um, you know, I don't ever get a chance to just go watch a game. Uh, so um, I love going to the games. Um, uh, you know, they got, they got a kid there, name is eluding me, but he just, he just scored the game winner on Saturday night versus Lincoln. I think it was his 31st or 32nd goal of the year. Um, I mean, that's a lot of goals, puts them only, you know, five people that have ever done it in a Musketeer uniform. So yeah, I like to go there. Um, on the weekends, you can find me there. There's no doubt about it. I'm sitting normally in section 105 or 106. So you know, we're getting totally off topic here, but were you there the night that the player from Omaha tried to be a lumberjack with the guy scoring the empty net goal? Um, you know, yes, I was there for that. And then, you know, um, I believe that's the night that um, they had a huge they had a huge fight after that play or, well, or I something. So. I mean, I, I'm I'm there for the fights. I mean, I, I'm just gonna be honest. I'm there for the fights, like. I want to, I, I just want to put in code reds all day. Like, go get them. You know, um, I tell you what, though, a musketeer player the other day on a, uh, it was three on three overtime hockey, and boy, he blindsided a guy high, head contact, knocked him out cold, felt bad for the kid. Lincoln ends up uh, um, not being able to capitalize on a four on three in overtime. And, um, you know, I think, uh, Two City got a breakaway with like 20 seconds to go, and the guy put the the biscuit in the basket. So, um, yeah, but there, there's been um, – I was also there when, you know, the guy got slashed with the, the skate overseas, and uh, they did – you know, he was a Sioux City musketeer. Yeah, Adam uh, Johnson. Uh, yes, yes. So they did a nice memorial to him. They started the game with only four skaters. Thought it was pretty cool. So, um you know, a lot of, a lot of tears that night for uh, Musketeers fans. You know, and that was way before me becoming a fan and everything. But it's just nice to see a tribute like that. Now, as a manager, I know you know how to fire your team up. 
So has Connor Ryan talked to you about going down in the locker room and doing the tradition of announcing the starting lineups and getting the Muskies fired up for the night? Now, I, you know, I, ha- I don't have that kid. Or obviously, I got a good relationship with Connor, but, you know, I, I haven't met the new head coach, Jason, uh, I think his name's Docher or something. Um, but when it was Luke Strand, me and Luke became really good friends. And I was actually, I actually got to sit in when they were preparing for the Clark Cup final. And I got to sit in and, and practice and they were going over film and stuff. And, and he had a laser pointer and we were going in. And uh, it was kind of cool to see because I didn't know kind of how hockey was coached or, you know, the plays or how, what you're trying to accomplish, right? Hey, just put the goal, put the, you know, the puck in the goal. I mean, that's what, how I thought of it. But it was neat to see how, you know, they talk about rubbing on the hips, you know, sending the puck in deep. You got to dig it out of there. And then you want to skate right off the things because when the puck's down deep, all the eyes are on the puck and you're skating in from the top. And we got to make sure we're rotating so that we're not caught on an odd man out. So I thought it was, uh, I thought it was pretty cool to be able to sit in on that. And uh, me and Bobby sat in on it. It was like an hour. And afterwards, I was like, Luke, like, that's, that, that, that just blows me away that there's that much that goes into it. He goes, yeah. He goes, the same thing when I sit down with you and you're going over scouting reports with your guys. Like, it's just neat to hear it because it's out of your, out of your element. Now, Luke, say, I believe he's the head coach at Minnesota Mankato now. So, yeah, um, doing a good fact, job, when the, too. Yeah, when the extension was announced, he was the first one to, to text me and congratulate me and everything like that. So it's great to have uh, – you know, people like that. But, yeah, I haven't been able to go get down there. I have gone to a couple practices, you know, where they're just skating around, doing some drill work and stuff like that. But uh, actually getting in the locker room uh, with the new coach, I have not. Well, I think you, you guys need to line that up where someday you go down there, wait till the bronchitis is gone, and they let you announce the starting lineup in the locker room. because and That needs to go out on Explorer Social because I think that would be awesome. Yeah, well, what I want to do, what I want to do, you guys will get a kick out of this. I And I've talked to Lloyd. Lloyd Ney is the owner of the Muskies. I want to tie in some charities and stuff like that, and I want to get in the goalie pads. And I want to, you know, stop stop thoughts for charity. And, you know, you get to, you got to pay X amount of dollars to shoot, you know, let's just say it's $20. You get to shoot five pucks at me, okay? And every puck I stop, the 20 plus, if I stop all five, it's $5 or $10 a puck, I stop. And then I get a charity behind me, and if you score, then I donate, you know, X amount to a charity of their choice. I think that would be fun to tie the two uh, organizations in together like that. Yeah, that would be a great idea. So if I lived down there, I would goalie. be totally up for that. Finding goalie skates, because I guess you wear a special goal, uh, uh, a skate as a goalie. I didn't know that. And he's like, yeah, because if a puck hits your toe, it's going to break it. I'm like, yeah, we need these special. So they've been looking for size 15 goalie <laughs> skates. Those are just, I guess, hard to find. I'd imagine. Well, you know, that's pretty exciting getting involved in the community out there. Now, I know that when you were in, in Florida there, you had Tom Brady as a, at one point as your neighbor down the street. So do we have a big famous Sioux City uh, celebrity that you're you're neighboring with right now? Not really. Uh, it, pretty boring. Um, no, nobody, nobody famous, nobody, um, you know, 
not not too much to do. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's a smaller Midwest town. Um, you know, I, I go to the hockey games. Um, you know, and 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 really work. You know, that's basically what I've been doing. So uh, I've been trying to get used to this uh, uh, to this snowfall and this weather, but everyone's telling me it's mild. So if it's mild, I'll go with it. Before specifically talking about the 24 season with you, uh, how do you think living there year-round now in affects your ability to recruit or anything? Does it have any impact at all? I don't think it has any impact at all. Um, you know, uh, it's not like uh, I'm calling and saying, you know, hey, I live in Florida or, hey, I live here. or here. You know, it's just basically I'm the manager for the Sioux City Explorer. So, um, you know, uh, sometimes they'll get into the talk of, you know, uh, what's there to do in town and stuff like that. And, you know, then you got to go into your spill about your town. But, um, you know, for the most part, it's, you know, very business-like approach, talking about baseball and what we can do to uh, help further their, their career along. Now, with a we player, Matt is Lloyd. that a selling oh, sorry, point? Because... Is the town actually a selling point? Because when you look at the schedule, there's so very few days off during the season anyway. So really, you know, what could a player be doing in that town anyway? I mean, the big, the biggest thing for that our guys do, um, I, and I'm probably it's obvious, is they go to the Hard Rock Casino, right? Um they go there, they play a little blackjack, they play a little slots, whatever they do. Um, they go down there just to blow some steam off and stuff. And, um, you know, there's a little, there's a little sports uh, kind of bar restaurant they, they frequent a little bit called Bodegas. And they'll go there and hang out as a team and then go to the Hard Rock, gamble as a team, and then they go home. So, you know, it's kind of Groundhog's Day with that. They like to uh, – most baseball guys like to gamble. So, um, you know, that, that is a selling point. You know, there is a uh, – Casino right downtown Sioux City. Now spring training underway for Major League Baseball, Steve, and you and I have been talking about for four years. We we're waiting for the big influx of players to be released one of these years. Are you anticipating that you're going to finally start to see a lot of guys available this year? No, no, I don't. Um, you know, Major League Baseball is cutting back from one, I think it was 180 down to 165. Um, you know, I think uh, I think what you'll see in the league this year is is a lot more Latin players. Um, you're not seeing the American player wanting to play anymore. Um, I think a little bit has gone into when MILB reorganized, started paying these guys year round, um, started paying for their living, started doing all that. That the players kind of got spoiled, and there was a lot of times. If you followed us back in a long time ago, whereas when these guys came to independent ball, they were getting treated better than when they were getting at the, at the, at the minor league level. You know, it used to be, hey, you got three days in a hotel, and then you had to find your own living. Now it's not like that. They pay for the living. I mean, A-ball guys are making 2500 a month. And as we know, $2,500 a month in our, in our league is a lot of money. So... You know, a lot of the American players aren't playing no more. I think you're going to see a lot more Latin players in the league, um, which is just going to mean a lot more work on our front offices because 
you know, visas, and obviously they fly over here. So getting them to and from the ballpark, stuff like that. So that's how I see the league going, a lot more Latins. But, um, you know, I don't think you're going to see a large release out of spring training just because I think, you know, a lot of guys are just, uh, they've already made those cuts. And, excuse me, they, uh, uh, I think they're allowed to bring in 175, 180, but they've got to be down to 165. So, and I don't even think a lot of teams are bringing in what they're capable of bringing in just because they want to keep the cost down. They've incurred, they've incurred so much more cost. That's what is lost in the whole equation. Not only are we seeing every major league contract that's signed being $250 million for nine years, but what is the minor leagues costing them? You just think if you were a minor league, let's just call it a, a minor league uh, owner, all right, you had 20, let's call it 26 guys for easy math, 13 two-bedroom apartments. Let's call each apartment for easy math $1,000. Okay, right there's thirteen thousand dollars a month just in living that you're paying them. Now you're paying them about twenty five hundred a month. Twenty five hundred, um, what times ten? Twenty five hundred. Let me think about this. Twenty five hundred times ten is twenty five grand. Times twenty is fifty grand. Plus another five. So you're looking at about roughly sixty sixty thousand dollars just in the cost of salaries. And, uh, you know, that's not even counting what the nutritionist, each staff, I just saw a thing the other day, <laughs> excuse me, they had 11 coaches, 11 going to Vancouver where my old general, general, my general manager now, that's where he used to be the GM. He showed me a, a press release, manager, hitting coach, assistant hitting coach, pitching coach, assistant pitching coach, <laughs> analytics analytical guy, strength and conditioning coach, nutritionist, um, bullpen coach, infield instructor, and there was one more. 11 total coaches. That's incredible. And, and then, you know, the nutritionist. And, I mean, you know, what these guys pay for um, in a year, in a year what they pay for, just in food is just mind-boggling to me. Uh, you know, I got the whole rundown from Tom, our GM, and it's like, you know, when you're spending fifty or 60000 for 15 games of nutrition, it, it's just it's unbelievable to me. It's just unbelievable. But there's a standard there that, you know, there's no peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, I can tell you that. <laughs> Now, looking ahead, um, I think Matt Lloyd already got signed, which is awesome. He was having an MVP kind of season. Another guy who had a big MVP-type season was Solomon Bates. Will he be returning back with you this year? Uh, he signed down in Mexico. So he's going to Mexico. I've lost quite a bit to Mexico. It's going to be a whole total rebuild. Um, you know, um, Solomon, is, uh, he signed in Awaka. I think Austin Drury signing Durango, um, Sean Rakuski in Puebla, um, and there's other ones I'm missing. Uh, so they've all signed, and, 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 you know, good for them. Um, they're getting an opportunity uh, to make some more money and further their career along. So we wish them all the best. And, you know, if something happens, we hope that we'll be their first calls. I, you know, I'm mind-boggled how these guys 
how you can sit here and not tell me that there's 13 other guys that are better than them in AAA for each organization. You can't sit there and tell me that. And it's just very unfortunate that these guys can't get another shot. I mean, I've done nothing but call major league organizations on behalf of them and uh, to no avail as of now. So we're just hoping that maybe something pops here, maybe an injury or or something in spring training where these guys can get another shot in minor league baseball. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You having to do a rebuild? That never happened before, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, it's not like every year, year you have like, to do that. <laughs> it's every year. I mean, you know, we're not <clears throat> we're not fortunate enough to be able to keep our guys seven, eight years um, like other teams in our league. You know, um, normally we, you know, if we, if he does have success or, um, or anything, we're, we're trying to progress them along. I mean, that's, that's our job. So um, our job is to get these guys another opportunity, um, not have them, not have them in town for five, six years. You know, we've had a couple of those, Michael Lang, Nate Sampson, to name a couple, and we were very fortunate for that situation. But, you know, um, those days are far and few between for the Sioux City Explorers now. More managers, Steve, are reaching out, signing guys early. I mean, I'm, I'm stunned how many players George has already signed in Kane County. You've had a few signs so far. Are you seeing yourself being more active early on to try to get players signed, or just whenever they're available, you're just signing guys as, as they kind of come available to you? Well, I mean, we had to, you know, with the new contract, um, the way it's designed, um, these guys are free agents outside the league every single year. So we can have a guy under contract. It used to be where we had them under contract and we had their option year. And then we could sign them back and no one else could touch them. That's not like that anymore. They're free agents. They're free agents to Mexico. They're free agents to other leagues. So, um, you know, you had to be a lot more aggressive in signing your product early and, uh, and getting guys under contract. I think that's why you're seeing so many teams and people signed already is so that they get them under wraps and, and can start building for the 24 season. How are you feeling about where you're at at this point? Well, I'm highly athletic on my infield. Uh, you know, I think we're going to have, you know, a little tidbit session here. I think John Nagowski will be back. So, um, you know, that's arguably the best def defensive first baseman in the league. And then I basically have, you know, three shortstops that will be patrolling the infield at some different positions. I got Lingua, I got Shumpert. And I got Delvin Zinn, so I'm very, I'm hyper athletic on my infield, right? And I have Oda coming back to play the outfield. A couple positions I am missing is, as I have, you know, I have, a, I need a left fielder, I need a center fielder. Um, I'm not sure if Chase is going to come back or not, according to his uh, family situation at home and and everything. But um, you know, those are the two positions we are looking for right now is uh, two outfield positions and. Uh, you know, I do have, uh, you know, I have Ortega. Um, I got Daniel Perez signed. So, um, 
and I got Jimenez. So I, I like where I'm at right now. I'm a, I'm a, I feel like I'm a little ahead of the game offensively. However, when you look at the arms, um, you know, I feel like I'm behind the eight ball a little bit because, <coughs> excuse me, um, I just don't, uh, I'm young off the mound. And uh, I want to I wanna find some double-A arms to kind of give us stability and, uh, you know, moving forward and uh, give us some leadership down there. So, you know, that's what I'm looking for now. But, like I said, it's very, very hard to find. You know, one of the guys you mentioned, Delvin Zinn, I think is an interesting case. As he's a magician in the field. But, I mean, let's be honest, the batting average wasn't there last year. Is yep. there an onus to work on him to get the batting average up and to get the on-base percentage up because he he has excellent speed if he can get on base? And do you see him make, put in the uh, extra work needed to get to that next level in his progress? Well, I, I can tell you this. I, I called him in October, right, when we started working on, <clears throat> on the deal. And um, I, I said, what are you doing? He's like, I'm actually hitting right now. And, I mean, this is October, so I know he's going to put in the work necessary to kind of change it. And like I told him, I said, you'll change, you'll change a game with your on-base percentage. Forget your batting average. It doesn't matter what your batting average is. You're going to change with getting an on I told him, I said, if you have a 400 on-base percentage, you're going to steal 100 bags. That's all there is. You'll steal 100. And he, he's like, really? You think so? I was like, yeah. I mean – you, you hardly ever get caught, you know, and, and with, you know, we have a chance. We have a chance to steal quite a few bases. I mean, you got Shumpert, who has stolen, I think, 28 down in Cleburne, Zinn, 20-some, Lingua, 20-some. So, we, you know, we have a chance to have a lot of guys who can run in our lineup that's kind of gotten back to our roots a little bit. And, uh, you know, we got got to – we just got to worry about our on-base percentage. And I think Delvin, you know, you always see this. You always see that first year in independent ball, like, oh, it's independent ball. It's not going to be any good. I'm going to come in there and dominate it. I don't think DZ felt that way, but you, you've seen it so much as a manager in this league for so long. You see, you've seen everything. So I think DZ went into the offseason where he feels like he has something to prove. And, you know, maybe, maybe not, only, not only to his teammates, but to himself. And I think, he, I think he's poised to have a big year this year. I think you make an interesting point there because we've seen it, you know, between the three of us, all the baseball we've watched. A lot of these guys do come in the league and they make, you know, a little bit of an impact. But there always seems to be that curve between the first year they're decent, but then they just find that little something, and the next year it just seems like they take off and become a guy that either gets signed or becomes a dominant player in the league. Well, it's, it's, it's totally you, – you, you, uh, so I always say this, is that if you're a minor league guy and you come to independent ball, this is the first time in a long time in professional baseball, in, in your professional baseball – history that you're coming to a place where it is what you are playing the game to win the game you're not playing the game to develop you're not playing the game under your organizational rules you're playing the game to win the game okay and that's big because 
I tell my guys all the time. You know, my guys sometimes will say, oh, walks are bad. Walks aren't bad. Walks aren't bad as long as you can strike a guy out. Why are you going to give in to, let's say, for instance, a Drew Ward? Are you going to give in the Drew Ward 2-0, or are you just going to pitch around him and then attack the next guy? So there's a, there's a, lot, there's a lot of thinking that happens in independent ball that doesn't happen in the minor leagues where you're going out there and you're pitching. Not yeah, you're pitching in double-A, but you're pitching trying to get up to the big leagues and make a lot of money. And you're not going to do that by walking a guy and then inducing a ground ball double play, okay? Because they're going to look at that walk and be like, oh, well, you know, that's, that's a bad thing. Whereas in independent ball, you're like, you play the games to win the game. How many times do you see at the major league level a guy get pitched around and then set up a double play and then he gets the double play? You see that quite a bit. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you're the longest tenured manager with your team. Isn't that right now? With our with the current team? With your team. Yeah, you're you're the longest running, isn't that isn't that right now? With the, with their active team, yes. I mean, George has obviously been doing it since what, 2003, 2004, but you know, they yeah. went to King County in 2021, but yeah, in their active town, yes. How about that? How does that feel? Oh, I feel old. <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm turning I'm turning 50 years old here in like two days, so um, it just means my clock's ticking, and uh, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> two days. Wow. So what what are we gonna be doing for your birthday now? What's going on that day? Nothing. Nothing. I'm try. I, I got like bronchitis pneumonia, as you can hear. I don't know what I got going on right now, but uh, I'm just trying to get healthy. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm on the disabled list right now. It must be something with people turning fifty because my wife was on a cruise and she got sick, and she's been sick ever since she got back. She turns fifty in May, so maybe it's that. Maybe it's that forty nine wall where the the health is starting to go a little bit. Right, that 50 flu. Oh, man, that's a tough, tough thing. And you know, I got to know this. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, all my, all my buddies and all my friends in the city, they're all older than me. So I've done nothing but ride them for, you know, a year or two or six months, whatever it is, for them turning 50. And now the shoe's on my foot, and I'm getting worn out. I am just getting worn out, and it's it, it's just oh, you know if you got if you're going to be able to dish it out, you got to be able to take it. So I'm taking it pretty hard right now. Uh, Fifty you know, new forty. That's right. That's right. Speaking of dishing it out, you know, for for years you were you were kind of bashing on Connor about his love for the Patriots. No Belichick, no Brady now. So, I mean, is there any fun mocking him now about New England anymore? They're terrible. Oh, they're, they're so bad. And, they're, you know, and you think about – and here's the thing I will say. I have a newfound respect for Tom Brady. I can sit and admit it now that you took Brady away from Belichick, and it was awful. It was awful. Like, awful. 
But at the same time, I do believe over the last couple of years, Belichick has been running the draft. Am I correct? I so, believe so, yeah. Bill just – Bill can't identify talent. That's what it boils down to. You know, he, he wasted a first-round pick on Mac Jones and, you know, and, I mean, is there a worse quarterback room in, in the NFL? I mean, I'm serious. Is there a worse – Bill Zappi or whatever that guy's name is, Mac Jones, and I don't even know who the third guy is. There couldn't be a worse quarterback room. But, you know, it was a good run while Bill was there. And, but there's something to be said. Is there not that there was that many head coaching job openings and he did not get hired for one, and he interviewed for all of them? So there's got to be something going on. And, you know, I think a lot of it was Tom Brady. I think, you know, I don't think he's the GOAT just because he, you know, won seven Super Bowls. <laughs> but... um there's something to be said about it because Bill couldn't win without him. What is he, 20 games under 500 without him? Mm, yeah, they were not very good at all. They were pretty bad, as a matter of fact. So were you, were you uh, excited about the Kansas City win the Super Bowl, or what, what, what did you think about that with your observations a week later now? New dynasty. I mean, they're going for a three-peat next year. One thing I did learn about that, I'm done betting against Patrick Mahomes. <clears throat> I bet against them in Buffalo. I knew they'd win the first game. I bet against them in Buffalo, bet against them in Baltimore, bet against them in the Super Bowl. I'm done betting against Patrick Mahomes. The guy's a winner. The guy just finds a, finds a way to uh, win the game. And, uh, you know, it just is what it is. But, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a question to you guys. Overtime in the Super Bowl. You win the toss. Do you defer or do you take the ball? Since since both teams get the ball regardless, isn't that right? Yes. Both I, teams yes. get the ball. Even, so so it's, even it's if the, the team adage, scores a touchdown. Right. If they score a touchdown, you still get the ball. So you still get the ball. So it's kind of like – it's kind of like – the NCAA rules, where both teams are going to touch the ball, okay? The only difference is, is that once both teams possess the ball, the next score wins. So if both teams score touchdowns, the next field goal, safety, whatever, that, that, that does that. But my question is, do you defer there? And now you know what you need. So now you know. So San Francisco, when they had fourth and two and, and kicked the field goal, they would have known they needed a touchdown. The only thing that's bad about that is, is that then you're kicking, let's say you tie the game after one possession, you're kicking the ball Patrick Mahomes, all he needs is a field goal to win it. So um, I just don't know. I, I, I've asked several people that, what would you do? What would you guys do? Do you defer or do you take the ball? For me personally, I think it I think what play to your of my team. Yeah, exactly. But what 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 is my team good at? If if I'm San Francisco, I'm a great defensive team. So I think I I kick the ball away and and play defense at first because my defense is great, and I let them try to stop Kansas City first and then play from there. 
if I was Kansas City, I probably would have wanted the ball first just because I'm such a good offense. That would have been my thought. I don't disagree there. See, I'm a hockey guy, and when the, when the shootouts first started, it's kind of a, a similar mentality. At first, teams wanted to have the other team shoot first. And then that kind of changed. After a while, they wanted to put it more in the hands of their goaltender, and they wanted to shoot first if they had the choice. So, Right. I'll let you believe him. Yeah, good analogy, by the way. Were you uh, were you surprised? I mean, Baltimore, everybody thought, was going to be the team to go in the AFC, and it looked like they kind of gave away that championship game. So were you surprised to see how the playoffs worked out? Yeah, I was. I thought Baltimore was the best team, especially how they went in and dismantled San Francisco in San Francisco. So, um, yeah, I was a little surprised there. But, you know, you got to credit the Chiefs, man. They just found ways to make plays, whether it was getting the fumble inside the one-yard line, um, you know, controlling Lamar, uh, controlling the running game, going into Buffalo with, uh, you know, wind chills in the negatives, and then whoever they beat at home, whoever it was, I can't remember who they played, Houston, where, uh, or was it Houston? No, I think it was someone else. Um, but they went and, I mean, it was like one of the coldest games in NFL history. Um you just—it's incredible what the what Patrick Mahomes can do, and got to credit Andy Reid for getting pieces of the puzzle together. And you know, I can remember probably halfway through the NFL season, everyone was writing them off, saying the wide receivers were dropping too many passes, this, that, and the other. And you know, they kind of figured it out and figured out what what made them successful, and and found a way to get another ring. Well, aren't aren't you going to give like total? credit for Kansas City winning to Taylor Swift? I mean, I mean, come on, Steve. I mean, wasn't she responsible for them winning at all? Yeah, she's responsible, all right. Um, <laughs> I'm not a big Swifty. I'll just say that. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. you know, I'm with uh, you. <laughs> I just don't, uh, you know, good for him if he's happy, you know, and she's happy, good for them. But uh, just not a, just not a, Huge fan. I think she could use her platform in a lot better ways than how she how she does it. So let's talk some hockey with you, since you told us now that you're a big hockey fan in person. So, so who are you liking that right now? Mm, I like Edmonton. I think they how what so they rattled off 16 in a row. You got to like Vegas. I mean. <laughs> Boston, um, out east, they're looking pretty good, Tampa Bay. But I think ultimately the, the championship uh, uh, is going gonna, is gonna to run through, you know, Vegas, Edmonton, Vancouver, uh, and maybe mix in a, black, uh, um, a king, the, the kings maybe. Uh, it's going to definitely run out west. I think the Stanley Cup will be one out of the west. It's just a matter of who can go through that gauntlet and come out of the West. I think the West out-talents the East by a long shot. Yeah, interesting. I think so, too. And give us your uh, your Major League Baseball preview. Who are you liking this year? 
Okay, there's a team. Uh, they spent like $1.2 billion. Um, oh, what's that team? Oh, yeah, the Dodgers. Um, Jeez. Are you serious with that, what they're going to have? Like, and then when Shohei can pitch, now you're talking about having the long-haired kid from, from the Rays. You're going to have Shohei, and you're going to have his buddy from Japan. Oh, my gosh. I, and you got Mookie. You got Shohei in that lineup. I mean, it's, it, I mean, Mookie's playing second base because they really don't even care about defense anymore. They don't even care. They're just like, you know what? Like, just let's just throw the best lineup out there and let's just beat you ten nothing. I mean, it's it's going to be, you know, there's going to be huge expectations, and it's just can they live up to them? I mean, they got the best roster, and it's not even close. And can they can they live up to those expectations? And you know, uh, Shohei's not gonna not gonna throw this year. He is coming back off his. Uh, Second Tommy John, but you know they're going to put the bracket in there, and you know everything's going to be fine. Uh, but I mean that lineup is is going to be really good. You got Walker Bueller back. I, I geez, man. I mean, I just don't know how. I just don't know how in like a in a series they're going to be throwing out a possible Cy Young winner two out of every three games against you. So. I think they could. I think they could seriously approach the all-time wins record. I think that's by the Mariners. I think. Right. Isn't it one eighteen or one twenty-one or something like that? Yeah, I think one nineteen. Yeah. One nineteen. One sixteen. I think they could. One sixteen. One sixteen. I think they could approach that. I really do. Sad that you already. You can already kind of look ahead and go. Well, it looks like they're clearly going to be the World Series winner. And everybody else yeah. gonna be playing catch up all season long. So, mm-hmm. now that doesn't yeah. mean, you know, that doesn't mean though that that a team can't mortgage something in the middle at the trade deadline to narrow the gap, right? Uh, you know, yeah. I always say this: it's not the it's not the best team that wins every year that has the most talent. It's the team that plays as a team, right? Um, yeah. And you know. I always say, when you get too many Chiefs and not enough wigwams, you don't have a good team. If you don't have someone that's willing to cut down their swing with a runner on third base, hit a ground ball to second base to get that RBI, and they're trying to be the Chiefs and hit the ball out of the yard, you know, sometimes you sometimes that doesn't work all the time. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But the best team with the with the most talent doesn't win every single year. So it'll be interesting to see what teams come out of nowhere this year. Um, obviously, Houston, they're always going to be there. Texas, going to be another good team. Uh, you know, but losing Scherzer for an extended period of time, that's going to hurt them a little bit. But, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. The other team, the team I'm really interested in seeing is uh, the Angels. Because with Ron Washington's energy now as a head coach, the guy's 75 years old. He looks like he's 20. The amount of energy he exudes, I thought that last year when you watched that team play, they had all the talent in the world. They didn't play hard. 
Well, if there's one thing that Ron Washington's going to demand, and that that's that's your ass is going to play hard. And uh, I think that uh, I think you'll see a new team that year, and that's the team I'm interested in seeing uh, uh, play this upcoming MLB season. Don't you guys think though that there's a with the Dodgers as good as they should be? Okay, predictably, yeah, they're going to steamroll the NL West. And come September, they're not going to be playing very meaningful baseball. Do you think come playoff time, sometimes we've seen it where a team will come into the playoffs, they've had to battle the tails off just to get in, and they're on a roll. Meanwhile, this team has just had a – they're able to coast through the last couple months of the season, and then they, they don't turn the switch back on in time, and that team gets taken out by the team that's on a roll. That's where right. I could I, see the Dodgers possibly taking a fall. Or or if you guys just pick them, you know, because you guys are jinxies. So if you just pick them to win. Oh, <laughs> well, we'll, yeah, we'll, we do we'll have that power also. Yes, you have that power of the show that if you pick them, then, you know. But uh, <clears throat> I agree with you, Kevin, in that, in that regard. Um, the one thing I'll, I will say, though, is that, I couldn't agree with you more in our league when you're playing that meaningful baseball down the stretch like like so many of us were last year, right? I think Kansas City kind of um you know, they didn't have they didn't have anything to play for like the last 2 weeks. They knew they were in. And then it was us, Sioux Falls, Lincoln, Fargo all battling for those last uh you know, three playoff spots. You know, there was there was a lot of meaningful baseball being played there. But at the major league level, <clears throat> come September, right? You get the September call up, so you get the you get your roster to forty, right? I think that's a time where you can, you know, th- th- you think about it. They've been playing since April. They probably need a day off or two, right? So I think that's a time where you can utilize that time to kind of get them a blow. Our rosters don't allow that to happen. I would have loved to give Matt Lloyd a day off last year. I would have loved it. And I'd have loved to give Vince a day off. Or <clears throat> I would have loved to have been able to call up someone and give Solomon a start off, right, and give him a start off, just let him catch his breath. But you don't have those, you don't have those luxuries in our league, whereas the major league level you do. And I think that's a huge advantage. So, um, But I, there, there's, there's a little bit of – I'll buy into it a little bit, Kevin – but at the end of the day, these guys are the elite of the elite, the most professional, the best professionals that the sport has to have. And if, if you're not playing game one the same way as you're playing a playoff game, there's something wrong with you, to be honest. I mean, I know the playoffs have more pressure, but pressure, I always say, is a byproduct of, of being prepared. If you're not prepared, if, you're, if you walk in right now, if you had an algebra test, uh, or let's just say a calculus test tomorrow for both of you, and I said to you, you know what, we're going to make, we're going to put you in a calculus test tomorrow, and we're going to put the results online, and if you get above an eighty percent, you win a million dollars. Okay, you get above an eighty, you would, I would think, you guys aren't going to be prepared for that test, right? So you're going to go in there, you're going to be nervous, butterflies are going to be rolling, you're going to be guessing, you're going to be doing all that and everything, that's not being prepared. But if you have prepared yourself from day one, 
to be at that at bat or in that situation pitching and stuff. <clears throat> I don't think you should be nervous. I don't think you should be, you know, you should be, you, there's no switch you need to switch. You just go out there and do your job. And that's why I always say, you know, I, I do interviews with my local media and stuff, even with you guys. When you ask us managers, you say, what are you going to do for, what are you doing game one? What are you doing, um, you know, is there any sense of extra pressure? What do you got to do to win this, to win this series? What do you got to do? Well, we've got to play our game. We're going to go out and we're going to do the same thing we've done all 100 games, and then we're going to prepare like we did all 100 games, and we're going to try to win a series. And that's what it boils down to is just being prepared for that moment and being able to not flip a switch but just do what got you there, you know, the other 162 games. I can't speak for Rob, but if I took a calculus test – um, after I wrote my name down, I think it's just going to go downhill from there. Let me tell you, let me tell you, I, my son and math don't get along. They just don't. They're water and oil. And so I, I did okay in algebra and algebra two. I was okay with it, but you know, looking at how they, they teach, completely backwards from when we learned. So, like, if we would be doing a problem, and you guys can remember these problems, you'd have an algebra problem, a word problem, you'd write it down in two fractions, right? And then we would have to do something out here with another fraction, and then down below that you would go down and stuff. They don't do that anymore. They do it, like, completely backwards. They, like, skip, like, three steps that we learned. So, like, I would be trying to teach my son, hey, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, and then it leads to this. And he's like, no, that's not how you do it. Like, you got to go here, like right here. I'm like, well, how would you get there? He goes, well, you just do this. And I was like, man, you just skipped two steps that we learned. And so it's just all – I can't even imagine what calculus is like. I never took it, never want to take it. I I don't like solving problems that really don't know the answer to anyways. You know, and that's what calculus is. Sometimes you get to an answer, it's just infinity or whatever, an error. So that I have zero interest in that. Come on, the limit. Man, that's exciting calculus stuff right there. How could you be messing out on that? Man. Nobody, crickets behind me. <laughs> well, Steve, man, we appreciate having you on here tonight. And you know, you're a veteran guest, so I know you got a great final thought for us here tonight. Ah, yeah, you know, uh, you know, my son, my son got his first, uh, my son got his first, uh, college outing today. And I, I, I'll tell you, um, I was in the condo today and, um, he, he's a sophomore for Oregon state and, uh, they had played three games. He hadn't gotten into any games yet. So I'm nervous for him. Right. And I'm like, you know, Hey, you're going to pitch today. You know, I know you're going to pitch today, blah, blah, blah. You know, in the back of your mind, you're being a coach, right? And you're, but you're also trying to be a dad, and you're also trying to show him love and support and everything. And I'll tell you, um, they were playing the University of Minnesota today, the Golden Gophers, and, you know, it's, it's uh, one out in the sixth inning, guy walks a guy, and they go to the mound. 
they go to the mound, and then next thing you know, he's jogging in. And I'll tell you, you know how I said there's butterflies and there's all of that? My butterflies were rolling because, you know, here he is, his first first uh, Division One appearance, you know, and, you know, he went in there and handled his business. Uh, you know, he threw one and two-thirds innings, uh, no walks, no hits, a strikeout. I couldn't be more proud today uh of my son and what he was able to accomplish and uh you know now now they they're on an airplane right now flying into dallas and they got texas tech wednesday so hopefully they get it done against dan von's vaunted reckham teams and then they have a big uh top five matchup on friday against arkansas uh so you know I'm, i'm glad he's getting to experience that kind of stuff and you know at the end of the day you know we are we are fathers and um, you know, and we want our kids to do good, and it was just great to see him go in there and and uh, and, and do the job. Fantastic early birthday present for you. That's what we like to see. Yes, it was. Steve Montgomery, thanks for joining Kevin and I this week. Hey, so this thanks for having me, guys. Well, Kevin, always great having Steve on. We love to hear his comments on the wide array of sports he could talk about. No doubt about it. You know, we went all kinds of places today, and I appreciate him taking the time, even though he was um, he was under the weather, to um, join us tonight and and uh, and talk the gamut of sports. You know, it, it's kind of crazy to think that, like, four or five years ago, we're talking about Greg Taggart with 20-something years and George Samus with, you know, 13, 14 years with the Saints. Pretty close. Yeah, I remember more than that at that point. And and, uh, Rick Forney had been like eight or nine years in Winnipeg. And now it's Steve Montgomery, the the longest-running guy with his team. Boy, this league, you got to admit, has changed quite a bit since the St. Paul got out of the league. It's pretty, pretty different. Yes, you were asking about that, and I started just kind of doing the math in my head, and I'm thinking, yeah, I think he is the, as far as being with one team, he is the dean. It's pretty wild. Well, speaking of changes, Kevin, a big change in Chicago that came out of nowhere here today. Yes, uh, you know, you and I, had, it hit us as news that former Fargo-Moorhead Red Hawk pitcher Jeff Isom and uh, recently a successful manager in the Frontier League 
was named the manager of the Chicago Dogs today. Yeah, I mean, we were we were just talking with Sam Brief a few weeks ago, it seemed like, and and uh, he was talking about Butch returning this year to to take you know Chicago for his next uh, what number season number six, I believe, with the Dogs and uh, and, and there Jeff Isom winds up getting the job and. Stu Clyburn still remaining with the club, like like Thomas and Cavillia will wind up being the hitting coach this season. Um, so a little bit of a huge change there at the top, and it's just surprising. Butch, I, I wouldn't be surprised if just needing a year off at least to rest here because he's really been battling some injuries over the last few years, Kevin. I hope it was, uh, you know, I hope it was on Butch's terms and this was a choice he wanted to make because, you know, he's had a very good track record with Chicago turning them into a – consistently winning team and you know just talking with steve montgomery and jeff isom and chris colst and fargo three of the managers in the league once played for doug simonick the doug simonick tree out there i always like that that's great Stu Clyburn returning though so you know that uh, that pitching staff's gonna be pretty solid no doubt about it and Stephen lacy was a Announced as a signing today, and Lacey was a big part of that pitching staff last year that got them to the championship series. Well, let's go through some transactions here for us, Kevin. And uh, we'll begin out there in Lincoln as they sign left-handed pitcher Jackson Lindley added to the club. Uh, Fargo was the big uh, player this week, Kevin, as they not only re-signed right-hander Alex DeBoard, who struggled through a lot of injuries last season, wasn't the Alex DeBoard we saw the previous year, but returning with Manny Boscon and uh, Ad. Uh, infielder Dilson Herrera as well. Yeah, Bolscon's obviously a big signing. He's emerged as a star in the league and since oh heck since he was with Milwaukee in two thousand nineteen and DeBoard, I gotta imagine, you know, the goal for him will be to be healthy going into the season and just just prove once again that he can be one of the more dominant relievers in the entire league. You know, Boston is a story that I, I love, Kevin, because his first year, he, he always had a high batting average. He's even competing for the batting crown. I think it's like his first or second year with the uh, in the league. But then added a lot of power. There's some huge pop in that bat now. Become a very solid second baseman, can play first as well. I mean, just an all-around player that you just really like to go out and watch play. Yes, my, my Manny Boston moment was, I remember being on the field when, Fargo won the championship in 2022, and and he Manny requested that Jack give him one 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 last man oh man oh Manny Boscon. Yeah, he's quite a guy. I'm, I'm glad to see Alex DeBoard returning back too. He was really struggling through. Had, had the injury was at the end of that championship team season, and really didn't recover back from that. Especially after that four-inning outing, I think in the in, the, in game five, um, but you know, a trooper went out there and gave everything he could, and uh, hopefully, be back with a healthy body this season. Because really like Alex and want to see him playing well. So, what about uh, King County, Kevin? They uh, signed left-handed pitcher Derek Adams, and we're going to see Todd Lott and Armand Upshaw returning. Armand had a I think was expected to have a pretty big season, battled through some injuries and, and missed quite a bit of time. Looks like he's healthy. Then Todd Lott was an absolute beast after he joined the club. 
Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what Todd Lockin put up with the entire season in Kane County, and I assume he'll be first base slash DH for the Cougars. Other signings out there, Milwaukee signs catcher uh, Eric Ostberg. Uh, Kansas City signs right-handed pitcher Gavin, uh, Grant Gavin, I'm sorry. Uh, Sioux Falls signs right-hander Matthew Dunaway. Cleburne trades infielder Peyton Robertson to Lexington for some cash. And Gary Southshore signs right-handed pitcher Carlos Santabria. And returning back to Chicago, Kevin, because it was one of our favorite names this last year, outfielder General MacArthur IV returning to the dogs. Ah, yes, the general, the general is back in command. <laughs> yes, he is. We love that name. Well, that takes us around the American Association transactions. A couple of notes out there from other leagues that are going on. Uh, in the Frontier League, a series of players are being signed. Most of these guys are not former American League guys, so I'm not going to dive into those ones. But uh, Atlantic League had a, a few little bits of news out there. Uh, it starts with outfielder Chad Setio, who was quite a player for Milwaukee a couple years ago, had gone to the Atlantic League last year. It will be returning to the Barnstormers this season. Then the Lexington Legends, Kevin, I don't remember what name they went with last year, but it, it was clearly a fail, and they decided to go to the Legends, returning to that name this season. Uh, it was the counterclocks last year. Oh, that's right, yeah. Whatever that was supposed to do for us. So. You're right. Um, and the Lancaster Stormers, I think they were the Barnstormers or something. They were last year, decided to cut off Barn and uh, go with a new logo for this year. So uh, I guess we're looking for more jersey sales or something, get people to have to buy team stuff. That's always the plan. I think that takes us around, Kevin. So uh, what do we got for a... Well, we do have new, right. we do have new Sioux Falls today. Um, the Canaries announced that they entered a partnership with Smithfield Foods and naming rights for the playing surface at the Birdcage. So that begs a question: Is it going to be called Smithfield at the Birdcage, or I I don't know what are what are we looking at here? That's a good question. We're gonna, man. We're gonna have to get the uh, the skinny there from our buddy Tanner Hoops. He he might probably know. You know, like they have that, like, was, was it like Mercy Field at Lewis and Clark Park? Will it be? I mean, Smithfield Field. It just sounds repetitive. I think you could just call it Smithfield at the Birdcage. I think that would That's be the perfect name. So, so we'll see what happens. All right, well, Kevin's got his say in there. And even if they had already decided to go with that, Kevin, we're going to say that they chose it because you said so. Um, we're going to make that the historical fact of the of the matter, I think. Yeah, yeah, you know, so. I'll, I'll roll with it. <laughs> What's our, who's our, who are we shouting out to this week, Kevin? Well, we alluded to it earlier, but I wanted to give a shout-out to Butch Hobson because if this was was indeed his last Hurrah in Chicago and in the American Association. I, you know, Hobson was a guy that obviously he was a he was a players manager. The guys loved playing for him, and he was a he was a character in the game. And I hope that 
if he has chosen retirement, I hope he has a very peaceful and relaxing retirement because he's just given a lot of himself to the game of baseball. So, you know, so that's my shout-out this week, Butch Hobson. I think I could not top that, so I'm going to second your uh, shout-out for this week because it's an exciting moment out there to see a guy who's a true legend in the game. So um, whatever track he takes, we're, Butch, we're, we're glad for you, and we hope you have great success in whatever option you choose. Fantastic. Well, Kevin and I want to thank Manager Steve Montgomery for joining us again this week. So for Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Paneer. We'll see you next time on This Week in the Association.